the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Other factors not available in all. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Christ is now homeward we go. Be strong in the Lord. Be not as children tossed to and fro. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Good hills on the wall and fight the good fight. Be steadfast and faithful. Stand for the right. Be strong. For you to devour, be strong, be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. Be always, each day and each hour. Be strong, strong in the Lord. In the Lord. Be, be strong, strong in the Lord, Lord in the power of His might. His power evade, be strong in the Lord. Put on the new man the Spirit has made, be strong in the Lord. You who were darkness walk now in His light, be strong in the Lord. Dreaming the time in His love now near light, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I want you to stand strong in the Lord Jesus Christ and not in the world. It's time to make a very clear division between the world, the flesh, the devil, and the servant of the Most High God. Are you a servant of Jesus Christ today? Or... Are you caught? Are you hooked in the flesh, in the world, in the devil, entertainment of the world, everything of its of its character? It's time to stand strong in the Lord and be very clear about what our stand is. In Matthew, let me read for you in the seventh chapter, 
that familiar passage of Scripture beginning in verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. That's the terrifying part. Only a few are going to find the gate that goes into life. Part of what we're dealing with is everybody has their opinion. But may, be, may I be very straight with you? My opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus Christ and his very straight word to us. So it's time to give up all of our opinions and begin to seriously pursue Jesus Christ and say of him, what would you have me do? To give time, energy, strength to serving Jesus. This last Saturday, I've just learned a man that I often would go and work out with at the gym has passed. He has gone to his reward. His name was Michael. After talking with him, hearing his testimony, he was a very humble German man. His parents had to quickly leave Germany when... Nazism swept through the nation. His family lost everything. Michael only wanted to talk about Jesus. Michael was 84 years old. He worked out four or five days a week. He was stricken with cancer. He told me about it. And then I didn't see him for a bit. Michael's nickname, we all called him this, was St. Michael. Why did we call him St. Michael? Because everywhere he went in the gym, he made friends, and he only would talk with them about Jesus. He would spend two to three to four hours a day reading the scriptures and praying and writing in his journals about his walk with Jesus. He always was full of questions and ideas and concepts that he was exploring in the word of God. He was searching after eternal life. He said to me, Pastor, the only thing that matters is that when I pass... I'm welcomed into the gates of heaven. And so he said, I'm doing everything I can do. I'm spending my time and my energy. I am seeking after Jesus because he is the love of my heart. It breaks my heart that he's gone, but I'm sure he was welcomed with open arms. He lived a holy, righteous life before God. He sought after Jesus in everything he could do. 
with a twinkle in his eye, he would say to me, Pastor, let's pray about that. And standing right there in the gym, we would bow our heads and we would earnestly petition God regarding whatever the issue was. He wasn't concerned about who was listening or who was watching. He knew Jesus was listening and he knew Jesus was watching and for him that's all that mattered. He wanted Jesus. You see why I love this man and why he was an encouragement to my heart? I'm sad that he's gone. But I'm grateful that he had an open door into heaven because he'd entered through the narrow gate. Now listen to the words of Jesus. He's saying that very few are going to find that narrow gate. And then he says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. This is not philosophical language. This is he speaking in an agrarian culture. It's very practical and it's very real. And he's saying, look, I understand bad fruit and I understand good fruit. Any farmer does. It's very clear. When fruit is bad, it stinks. It's ugly. It's moldy. You don't want to eat it. Some of you are so picky that if a banana has one brown spot on it, you leave it behind. You say, that's overripe. Well, he says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, please, may I be very plain with you? I'm not trying to be offensive. But let me be very honest with you because I must stand also before the judge. And one day I'm going to pass on into the next world. And I won't be here any longer. And I will face whether or not I will be thrown into the fire and burned. And it's going to depend on whether I have good fruit or bad fruit. If you bear the fruit of this world, it is bad fruit. If your heart is filled with all the wickedness of this world, and I'm going to become very specific today about what that wicked fruit is, I'm going to read to you the actual words of the risen Christ as he speaks from heaven to his apostle John and tells him exactly what the bad fruit is that will keep a person out of heaven and have them cast into the fire of hell. You see, the Christian faith is not a philosophical faith that can be argued and opinions offered on. It is very straight. It is very practical. Jesus was not an impractical man. He was concerned where the rubber hits the road. He was concerned about How did you behave last night? 
Were you kind and loving? Were you sincere? Did you search after the scriptures? One of the great joys of my heart was last night to return from the revival meeting and sit down and open the word and just spend time reading the scriptures, hearing the words of Jesus. That's where life is. I didn't sit down and turn a television on. I don't have one. I didn't waste my time on the Internet. I want to read the Word of God. I want Jesus. I'm planning on going to heaven. Are you? You're not going to slip in. You're going to go before the judge. Now listen, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Isn't it imperative on you that you search carefully the scriptures to determine what the will of God is for your life? He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Well, isn't it the will of God that we prophesy? Yes, but not out of our own spirit and our own wisdom and our own understanding. We have to speak forthrightly out of the word of God. In your name, didn't we drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you lawless ones. You evildoers. Sent away from Jesus. Were they Christians? Oh, in the last day, they'll say, we were serving you in this way and that way, and we were doing all of these wonderful things for you, Jesus. We were feeding the homeless, and we were going here, and we were going there, and, and we were sitting on boards and councils, and, and we were contributing to the work of the kingdom of God. And he says, I don't know you. I don't know you. Oh, the institution knew you. Your church may know you. But does Jesus Christ know you? He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. How do you have your foundation on the rock? Let's be very practical. The way you have your foundation on the rock, Jesus Christ, is you do what he tells you to do. It is your actions. Now, we're very quick to offer our opinions and our judgments and to be utterly unloving sharp-edged, cutting, or it's, on the other side, very easy to be a marshmallow, love everybody, be the teddy bear, please people and keep them happy and don't offend anybody. 
Jesus does not say that we should be teddy bears or sharp-edged swords that cut people to pieces. There's a teddy bear on one side and a grizzly bear on the other. He didn't call us to be either. He called us to walk in specific actions to obey him. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a mighty crash. Now, let's be plain. You can live in that house built on the sand. It looks just like the house built on the rock from the outside. But wait until the storm comes. And then the house built on the sand is washed away. There are specific actions we are called to take. And as we take those very specific actions, God knows and he hears and he takes actions to judge us or to bless us. In 2 Timothy, the third chapter, but mark this, Verse 1, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Now, I want to give you a heads up. This is not describing pagans. Timothy is not describing pagans. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Well, how do you have a form of godliness and deny its power? Simply by refusing to do what God has called you to do. The Holy Spirit prompts you. Your conscience prompts you. And then you don't act on that prompting by the Holy Spirit you don't act on the prompting of your conscience. And now you're having a form of godliness and denying its power. So you have no power to win the lost. You have no power to live the Christian life because you are refusing to behave. You won't walk it out. Now, in the ninth chapter of John, we find a man born blind. Now, please, this is 
this is John. This is not Matthew, Mark, or Luke who try to give us a narrative of what occurred in the ministry of Jesus. John is including only those things that zero in right on the point. He's trying to share with us the under-truth, what's going on behind the scenes, what, what is the deep issue that God is trying to communicate. And so we find in chapter 8 of John, God is in the form of Jesus having a very difficult conversation with the Jewish people. And he's saying to them in verse 17, He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. And the Jews answer him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan, an unclean man, demon-possessed? And he says, I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself. There's, there's one who seeks it. He is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Well, they lose it at that. Because obviously, they believe at their shallow level that Jesus is referring to physical death. He's not. He's speaking about the second death. Verse 54. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And they answer, You are not yet fifty years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this they pick up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Do you see, these people understand perfectly what Jesus just said. He said, I am. That was the name of the God who spoke from Mount Sinai. He was the I am God. This is the God who spoke to his people time after time. He was the I am God. See, Jesus was the creator God in Genesis who spoke the world into existence. He was the one who spoke from Mount Sinai, the law. He was the one who always spoke with his people, the I am God. They pick up stones to stone him to death. Now John introduces the story. A man born blind from birth. I want you to notice there's a deep meaning involved in this telling of this story. They ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither. This man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. 
So he has been born blind. He has lived perhaps 30 or 40 years. And the purpose of his being born blind was not because he or his parents sinned, but that Jesus could come and heal him and demonstrate the power of God. That goes against, doesn't it, our opinion that our lives are our own and we can do with them whatever we want. No, you were born to bring glory to God. And Jesus wants to do things in your life that will accomplish that glory. But you block him by bearing bad fruit, by acting in ways that are unrighteous, by walking in unholiness, thinking that you can control your own life. Jesus Jesus tells them that night is coming. And no man will be able to work. Well, night came when he was crucified. The darkness over the cross. Nobody did any evangelism. The disciples were hidden out. And then came the resurrection. But it was still dark. It remained dark until Pentecost. And then there was an explosion of evangelism. And now the light of God dwells in them and among them in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus takes this man, born blind from birth. He spits on the ground. He makes a mud paste and smears it on this man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He goes and he washes. And suddenly he can see. And he comes rushing back, but he doesn't see Jesus. Instead, everyone is very concerned. Is this the blind man that sat begging from us? Yes, I can see. The Pharisees, they said, How did he do it? What did he do to you? Their concern is not the healing of this man. Their concern is that Sabbath was broken. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. That's their opinion. That's their law. Not the law of God. Jesus did not break the Sabbath. That's their law. That's what they believe. They ask this blind man who now sees, What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened, and the man replied, He's a prophet. You know, a blind man sitting out there begging all day gets a lot of chutzpah. He's not afraid to talk back. He's been abused too much. He knows how to dish it as well as take it. They call the man's parents. They ask 
the parents, and the parents know that if they answer that it was Jesus, they're going to be thrown out of the synagogue, which is the social center of their town. They don't want to be ostracized. So they call this man a second time. And they say, give glory to God, which is the Jewish phrase meaning, okay, tell us the truth. Confess the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And he says to them, I don't know if this man is a sinner or not. I just know I was blind and now I see. And then he asks them, do you want to become his disciple too? And they hurl insults at him. You're this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And now the chutzpah really comes out. Now this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they yell at him and say, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they throw him out. But Jesus hears about this, and he goes looking for this man. And when he finds him, he says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus' favorite title for himself was Son of Man. He was God. So his title that he enjoyed using was, I'm a Son of Man. I want to use, I'm a Son of God. (laughs) Different perspective, isn't it? Jesus said, Look, you've now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man began to worship Jesus. I'm so envious of that man that he could kneel at the feet of Jesus Christ and worship him with Jesus right there physically present with him and Jesus said for judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind see it's a problem when our opinions tell us that we have the truth there's only one person who is the truth and that's Jesus Christ he immediately then says this strange saying. If you were blind to the Pharisees, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So the Pharisees are told that they are guilty before God that they are excluded from the kingdom of God because their opinions are so strong. They think they have a place of standing with God, but they don't. They are going to be shut 
out of the kingdom of God. Chapter 10. There were no chapter divisions. Jesus immediately, after speaking this, continues to say, I tell you the truth. This is a Jewish saying that means I'm now going to say something very serious to you. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And they didn't understand what he was talking about. So Jesus becomes very, very straight. He says in verse 7, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full. I've spent much time thinking and praying about this. It's very clear that Jesus is saying in the passages I've shared with you today if you're willing to do what I ask you to do if you'll search and find the will of God and you'll act on that will then you will be welcomed into the kingdom above and the way you enter that kingdom above is by entering through Jesus Christ, through the gate. It's not with some sinner's prayer. It is rather with a full confession of all sin and a full act of repentance in turning away from that sin, changing one's mind, and making a decision that from now on I will obey Jesus Christ, I will walk in obedience to the living God of heaven. I will not walk in my own wisdom, in my own understanding. I will go as the Spirit of God directs me. I will walk in holiness before the mighty God of heaven. There's a passage of Scripture. See if I can. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.